Are y'all ready for the word today? All right, touch your neighbor and say, everything is about to shift. Just say, everything's about to shift. Father, we love you so very much and honor you in this place, Lord God. Thank you once again for your presence that's already felt, Lord God. You're here to minister to your people, Lord God, and no doubt about it, you're doing it. Thank you for the anointing to preach and teach your word. I thank you, Lord God, for revelation, knowledge now to flow freely in this house. In Jesus' name, And the church said amen. And amen. I want us to look at the book of Revelation, chapter 4. Revelation, chapter 4. Now, now some of you have heard me say some of these things before, and I will admit I have. But during the fast, the Lord really brought this to my attention about our church and people beginning to shift into another dimension, into another area of their lives. Here's what it says in Revelation, chapter 4, verse 1. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. John the Revelator is having a vision, okay? I looked, and behold, a door was standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. John, one of the apostles of Jesus, one of the disciples of Jesus that was closest to Jesus, the only one that lived to be an old man, said that he saw an open door. In other words, he saw a new opportunity opening for him, moving from one place to the next place. Things were about to shift for John. Then he heard a voice say this, come up here, come up here. Now that come up here is the step of faith to transition. So just because you see an opportunity open, which is step number one, seeing it. Knowing that God's opening something for you, seeing that it's happening for you, 2020 vision this year, seeing it is one thing. But then uh, he said, come up here. So that's the necessary step of faith in order for you to transition from one place to the next. And then he said, come up here and I will show you, I will show you or reveal things to you which must take place after this. I will give you 2020 vision, not natural vision, but spiritual vision. I will give you clarity. I will give you prophetic insight. Everybody say prophetic insight. Now get the message on Thursday if you weren't here. I talk a lot about that. But that verse translates this. Come up to another level, John, and see. Say it again. It translates, come up to another level and see. And that's my prayer for this church, those watching online this morning. If we are going to transition properly and experience a shift toward our destiny this year, then we're going to have to reposition ourselves to see it. Because the old method and the old way is not working for us anymore. And just because it was working doesn't mean it's going to work anymore. It requires come up here. I may see the opportunity and may think I can do it the old way, but i got to take the necessary step toward my destiny in faith. Everybody say, in faith. faith. Now, prayer and fasting is what we're in the middle of right now. And to me, that is the best way to begin the process of seeing what God wants to show us to come, things to come, but then also knowing the steps that we're supposed to take in the right direction toward our destiny. And church, we can't bring God down to our level. He's God and he's God alone. And he don't have to come down to our level at all. He says, I'm God, amen, and there is no other. And he said, I change not. He's not going to change for you anyways, praise God. And he said, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. They are what? 
higher. Just like he told John, you got to come up to another level and see. So trying to bring God down to your circumstance, down to your problem, trying to shrink him down to match your way of thinking is not God's best at all. we got to learn to come up by faith to where he is. And that's what Zacchaeus did, and I've used this analogy before. It's so powerful that Zacchaeus wanted to see what the commotion was about, heard that there was a healer, heard that there was a prophet by the name of Jesus coming into town, and the people thronged him. But the problem with Zacchaeus was he wasn't in the right position to see. What do you mean? The Bible says he was a short man. He was small in stature. So what I love about Zacchaeus was he didn't complain about it. Say, Lord, you're showing everybody else the miracles. Lord, you're giving everybody else sight to see, and, and, and they're having the ministry experience. What about me? You know, God, you're just passing me by. But no, he did something about it. He went up to another level to see. He climbed up into a tree. Come on, somebody. And when he climbed up into the tree, I want to say this because you've been driving people up their tree. Come on, somebody. God's about to drive you up your tree, praise God. He might drive you a little nuts, but you're going to make it all the way to the top. Come on, somebody. And you're going to make it the tree so that you can see at another level. And when he's able to see at another level, that step of faith to say, I'm going to do what it takes to get there, Jesus stopped in his tracks and said, you are Zacchaeus, and I'm coming to your house today. How many is ready for a personal experience with the Lord Jesus Christ this year? And let me just say that transition over a long period of time is tough. Transition, if you allow it to be a long period of time, can cause doubt. It can cause confusion. It can cause frustration. It can cause rejection. It can cause insecurity in your life. In other words, if you allow transition to go by for a long period of time without actually uh, knowing where you're going... And knowing the direction God's trying to take you from one place to another. Transition. Look, the wilderness was not meant for 40 years. It caused doubt. It caused confusion. It caused frustration. It caused rejection. It caused Israel to be insecure. It was a three-day journey. So, so what happens is during that time is when people are in transition for long periods of time, they begin to lose their footing. They begin to lose their identity because they recognize that they're not where they used to be. And they're not quite where they need to be. They're in the middle somewhere. And they begin, over a period of time, they lose who they are. The good news is if you stay with Christ, even if you lose who you are, that's not a bad deal. That's a good deal because your identity should always be found in Christ and not in yourself anyways. Amen. But it's tough on people. Turn to your neighbor and just say, shift happens. Yeah, you said it. Amen. Amen. Don't stutter, though. (laughs) you are about to shift from one job to a better job you are about to shift from one group to a more productive group you are about to shift from one pay grade to a higher pay grade you are about to shift from one season to a greater shift is anybody ready for shift to happen in their life And I declare over you that your season of shifting has begun. The old is dead and the new is about to come. Are you ready for a new day? Let's look at 2 Kings chapter 4 verse. There's a a wild crowd in here this morning, y'all. 2 Kings chapter 4. This is where we're taking our text today. We're going to get as far as we can. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. We're going to break this down. You know that your servant feared the Lord and the creditors coming to take away my two sons to be slaves. 
So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. I just saw something right there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And, and, and he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. There are three things, church, that we see here. Number one is this. God will always set you up with a promise. God will always start you off, even this new year, with a promise. In other words, he said, look, I know you're going through it right now, but what was it, what was it quoted? He said, you will or you shall pay your debts. The promise is, I know it looks bad now, but you're going to pay, you're going to pay them off. Number two, God always gives provision and promotion. God always gives provision and promotion. So with the promise, he gives provision and promotion. He said at the end of this that there was a miracle and there was an abundant supply of oil that she received out of the obedience to the word given to her by Elijah. Enough to pay off the debts and enough to retire on. So we see provision and then a promotion. But number three is where most believers uh, lose it. They don't like this. It's called the process. Everybody say the process. And the process is the only way to get the promise to give you the provision and the promotion. Let me say it again. The process is the only way to get the promise to give you the provision and the promotion. It's not enough to have a promise. It's not enough to see an open door. you got to go through the process. you got to walk through the door to get the provision and the promotion. That's why the Bible says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You have prepared what? A table before me in the presence of my enemies. Watch this. And then he says, my cup runs over. So God gives a promise, but you got to walk through the valley to get the provision. Come on, somebody. And the promotion. Are you all tracking with me so far? But it's worth it. Why? Because he's with me. He'll never leave me, not forsake me. His rod and staff always comfort me. That's his spirit and his word always comfort me. This morning, I'm going to give you six symptoms. You've heard this before, but I kind of got a different take this, this time. Six symptoms of transition and how to shift from transition to destiny. This will be a book one day. Number one, the first symptom of transition in your life is when what you've relied on begins to dry up. So if what you've been going through and you say, Lord, I used to have this and I used to have that. If there's been a time and a season when things begin to dry up, it's letting you know that there's a transition happening in your life. You're not there and you're not here yet. You're in transition. Something's about, something's shifting to get you into your destiny. So dried up might be uncomfortable, but it's a sign that God is transitioning you somewhere else. Verse, uh, verse 1, it said, she said this, um, my husband is dead. The widow told, told this to Elijah. My husband is dead. There is no doubt that one season of this woman's life was over and a new one was about to begin. 
A shift was about to take place, and she did not know it. Women in those, those days completely depended upon their husbands for all financial support. He was dead, and there was no money coming in. And on top of no money coming in, what else happened? She not only had that, but she had a situation where she owed all his debt too, right? So she was overwhelmed by the situation, right? So everything she knew to be reliable had dried up. In 2010, there was something that happened in this church. And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's the end of an era and the beginning of a destiny. Not going to go into all the details about it, but I got good gospel news. Everything turned out just fine. But now when you're, when you're in the middle of a transition going through the process, it might not feel just fine. But you got to trust God if he gave you a promise that the provision and the promotion is on the other side of that valley. Y'all track me so far? So in other words, there was an end of an era. Something had to die in order for something to be resurrected. And I want to let everybody know I'm healthy and God's blessed and, and this church is well and God's, you know, everything has come to pass as he has said. But not only that, it began a destiny of what God has for us for our future. Again, number one, a symptom of a shift taking place in your life is when the reliable resources begin to dry up. That's what happened to Elijah uh, after he, he had given a word to Ahab, a word that Ahab didn't want to hear about. There was, there was coming upon the land a, a, a drought, and a, he ran for his life. Uh, uh, Elijah did from Ahab because he's afraid. Back in those days, if you gave the king a bad word that he didn't want to hear, they would execute you, right? So he gives him a word and then flees, and God said, don't worry about it. Go to the brook Cherith, and there I'll take care of you there. So God gives him provision in the wilderness of brook Cherith. He's got water to drink. Ravens feed him with bread and meat every single day. Not a bad deal. He's being taken care of and sustained. But one day he woke up, and what happened? The ravens weren't showing up anymore, and the, and the, the water began to, the brook began to dry up. His resources, reliable resources, begin to go away. And it was a sign to him, God, what do you want me to do? Now go to Zarephath. There's a woman there that's waiting for you there. And there a miracle came. And then the next stage of Elijah's ministry was born. Come on, somebody. He was shifting. So when things dry up, that's not bad news. That's good news. God's taking you somewhere else. 2 Kings 4.1 also said this. Uh, the creditor, she said, is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. The second symptom of transition is the threat of taking away what you love most. For her, it was her sons. To be hijacked, to be threatened uh, with subjugation. And so it's, it's, it's really set to minimize you. Let me just say, when you've been thrust into the middle of a transition, it's difficult to know what to do next. It's like you feel like you've lost, you've lost control, you're completely lost and confused, almost stunned because you can't see the next step or the next thing to do. In other words, when you're in that place, what used to work for you, not working anymore, what used to ha happen for you, you could depend on not happening anymore. Church, it's time, though, that we begin to cry out for a new day. It's a new day. Say this with me. Say it's a new day. For my family, it's a new day. For my career, it's a new day. For my finances, it's a new day. For my health, say it's a new day in my life. Now say it's a new season for me. Now give the Lord a shout of praise about it. Come on. Verse 2, the widow also said this. She said, he asked, what do you have? And she says, I have nothing. In the house, 
I have nothing in the house. Number three, the third symptom of transition is perceived failure. I've got nothing. I have nothing. I have failed my sons, she could be saying. I have failed my destiny. I have nothing to show for my life. I am a complete failure. This woman only saw lack and deficiency. Yet right after she said that, must have been the Holy Ghost. I have nothing in the house. She then says, oh, but I do have a jar of oil. What looks insignificant to you, (laughs) it may be small and insignificant to you, but if you ever offer it as a seed to God, he can pull a whole harvest out of that seed. Somebody say amen. Isn't it interesting that in her failure, failure blinded her to what she did have. Failure will blind you often to what you do have to offer, and you'll think it's nothing. It's not of any importance. It's not substantial because it can't correct my problem. But here we go again. Failure means, if you, if you stay in failure, it means that you're still dependent on you to get yourself out of the problem. But if you ever put it in God's hands, that's when everything begins to change. Let me make this statement. There is no such thing as failure to the believer. Failure is actually the negative perception of the shift that is taking place in your life. In other words, you're looking with natural eyes and you see all the problems that are happening. But you don't understand God is taking you from one place to the next. And in your heart, you might feel like a failure, but that's not God. It's the wrong perception. He's trying to shift you out of your circumstances into another place of destiny. I don't have time to get into all of the stories, but you can read them for yourself. Joseph being an incredible one. Joseph having been lied about and and, and left for dead and thrown into a pit. And, you know, he looked like a total failure after being favored by his father with a coat of many colors. Instead, he's at the bottom of a pit just trying to survive a night, then sold into slavery as a slave in the Potiphar's house, and then lied about, and then thrown into prison. And and in prison, uh, the Bible says he was there. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible says when he was the pit at Potiphar's house and in prison, the Lord was with him. The hand of God was upon him. And the Bible says, and the favor of God rested upon Joseph. So he might have looked like a failure to everybody else, but God had given him a promise through a dream. Come on, somebody. I don't have time to preach. You guys got to catch up tonight, today, today. And I'm going to let you know that that dream came to pass not when he thought or how he thought it was going to happen, but it came to pass as he walked through the valley of the shadow of death. God was preparing a table. Come on, somebody. And the day came that he he interpreted the dreams, and, and he began to interpret the dream of Pharaoh, and God put favor on him, and he became the number two man in charge of all of Egypt. Don't look at your mistakes as failures. They're a part of your story and your testimony. Somebody say amen. People would look at Jesus and think he was the ultimate failure. The ultimate failure. Saying that he is life and yet he dies on a cross. And they put his corpse in a tomb. But how many knows that God three days later raised him from the dead? He's no longer dead, but he's alive, seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus was no failure, y'all. He was transitioning. Come on, somebody. Shifting from rabbi, come on, to Messiah. Verse 3, 
He told that woman, go borrow vessels from everywhere from your neighbors. Go borrow vessels from everywhere. Fourth symptom of transition is exposure. In other words, what is very personal in your life goes public. I don't know about you, but that's uncomfortable. I'm a private person. I don't like my personal business out there. Do you? That's why you don't put, see me put my personal business out there like that. Praise God. People live online all day long. Live online. Put their stuff out. I can't do that. I just, sorry. I want you to follow me, but I ain't going to give you every look. I just woke up to my bed head. Hey, look at this. I'm about to go to breakfast. Come with me. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I love you all, but I'm taking you everywhere I go. Some things are private. Come on. And what goes, what happens is I'm sure that this woman, widow woman, didn't want her neighbors to know what she was going through. They didn't have the, where, the means to help her anyways. So the fourth symptom is when things begin to expose and go public. The exposure wasn't for her embarrassment, but for the glory of God to be seen. It's uncomfortable to be vulnerable, to have to rely on others. But it's so that you, you, that you have your testimony. And by the way, the word test is in testimony. You are put to the test. Just like a woman that is pregnant with a baby, in nine months there's no longer room in the womb. That baby's got to go public. It's got to get out of there. At some point, it's got to be, it's got to be birthed. It's interesting that the very place that once gave nurture and comfort to that child now is a place of unrest and discomfort. There's no more room. In church, you may be unwilling to go through some difficulties and challenges, but it makes no difference. You prayed a prayer. You told God you wanted to go all the way. You said yes to the promise he gave you. So you've got to get through the process of transition. Exposure and being uncomfortable to get to the other side is a part of it. It's called shifting. I know that my wife and I went to, um, before we came here, went to uh, the city of Madison to start a church. And we were there for 18 months struggling to get the church going. And, and we did what we could, the best that we could. You know, there's, there's, you, you have, I, don't care, I don't care who you are. You have limited abilities. And um, it was almost as if God was not going to allow it to take off. And so, but what it did was it caused me to pray like I never prayed before. Most of it was complaining prayer. I'll be honest with you. A lot of it was not good prayer. But it would, I would turn. Like you read David in the book of Psalms, he'd be complaining a little bit. But then he turned to Lord, I know you, and I know your power, and I know your ability. And so, um, and, 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 you know, I didn't know God was even listening to me, to be honest with you. I was just going to go through the motions, and we wanted the church to work. We wanted to to grow and to and to work, and and so um, we didn't know that God was setting us up to be here. We didn't know that that was a step or a part of the journey, uh, a part of our story that we would have to walk through to get here. I will tell you that without that eighteen month experience, no way could we have went through what we went through here in any capacity to to build the church the way that we've done it here. It's just been a miracle of God and been a pleasure almost every single day that we've been here. Definitely an honor every single day. My point to you is this, is that God was preparing us for another day, but we didn't see it. We didn't know. And so when it didn't work out the way we wanted to work out and God called us to be here, and it was a supernatural thing how he did that, then we had to go back to our mother church, which was the Beloit location, and there you got to explain to people what you know, it didn't happen. It didn't work. You know, that's a hard thing to do. I got my pride. Everybody's got their pride. I didn't want to. So I just decided, tell the truth. 
and shame the devil. Look, here's what happened. I went thinking this was going to happen, but now God's called us to Milwaukee. We're here for about six-month period of time, and we're going to launch out. And that's exactly what we did. And we came here as a result of that. And it's been the greatest experience, most fruitful experience of our lives being in this place. I'm standing in the front row this morning worshiping the Lord and watching everything go and happen and stuff, you know, just, just thanking God for everything and thanking him for calling my wife and I to the city. Because had he not called us here, we never would have met you. We never would have seen hundreds and thousands of people be saved in our church. And spent, thinking two decades is just, you know, it's like it, it's just gone that quick. And, all, and I started thinking, my God, Lord, my God, my children have met their mates in the city. If, you never, if I'd have never heard your voice to come, if I'd have never taken the risk of being exposed and Going through the uncomfortable season, they would have never met their meats. And now I have my grandbaby who was born here. I'm going to have other grandchildren as well. Somebody say amen. Soon. Hallelujah. My point to you is this. That would have never happened. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know Ami. She would never, I would have never known her. You see, and, and we're in love with her. My point is always stay with the plan of God no matter how tough it gets. Am I right about it? Okay. Number five, I'm almost done. Verse three. Then he said, are y'all enjoying this so far? Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. All right. Number five, the fifth symptom of transition is when you minimize your potential. She had a little oil in a jar. She minimized that. Then he said, don't borrow just a vessel. Don't borrow a few vessels. Go get as many vessels as you can. Because God's about to do a miracle, even though it looks like there's no way this can take place. Isn't that exactly what he told God did with Gideon when he was trying to protect a little pea patch against the Philistine army? And he's just trying to hide himself. And, and this is my family's inheritance. That's all, that's all we, we have. And then God came by one day and said, what are you doing here protecting this little area of farm? It's nothing. It's just a couple acres. What's the big deal here? And he says, it's all I got. He said, this isn't who you are. You're minimizing your potential. You are a mighty man of valor, and you are going to lead God's people. You're going to lead Israel into battle and see great victory. This man was not a man of war. This man was a farmer. But God saw the potential in him. Do you see the potential in you that God sees in you? Or are you minimizing, turning it, scaling it back and turning it down, saying, well, you know, and making all kinds of excuses? Or you step out on faith and say, Lord, this year I'm going to step out toward the promise you've given me. I know I've got a promise to start that business. I know I've got a promise to start that family. I know I've got a promise to be healed. I know I've got a promise. You've got to start stepping forward in this thing. Verse 4 said, and he said, after you've gathered all those vessels, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Sixth symptom of transition is nostalgia. Always something behind you. You need to shut the door to your past. When you start looking back more than you are looking forward, you are in transition and the enemy is trying to draw you back and God is trying to launch you forward. There's a tug of war happening here. That's why he said, shut the door behind you. Shut the door. Once you get those vessels in, let's not worry about what it used to be and what you've been going through and all the struggles you had. Don't worry about what people think about all those vessels. I'm talking to somebody this morning. You need to let go of your past. Let go and let God. 
A shift will always require you to move forward or you'll slip. If you're not going to shift, you're going to slip. Church, nostalgia is a thief of your future and of your destiny. That's what happened. God said, I give you a promise. You're going to go into the promised land, and every place the foot, your, the sole of your foot will land upon, it will be yours. I promise you that. But instead, they kept walking and wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and partly it was because they would say things like this, oh, that we could go back to Egypt. Oh, we can smell the onions in from Egypt and that we would go back to a time. And they think they're going back to what? Slavery is what they're going back to. But the problem was they never shut the door to the past and say it's done. It's over. We're no longer slaves anymore. We're free. Luke 9.62 says, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back and looking back is fit for the king. Y'all got to get these verses up here now. Put that up there. Luke 9, 62, please. I want them to see this. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of, of God. Uh, look, how about Philippians 3.13? Put that up, guys. Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Amen. There's a shift happening, and in that shift, there's always going to be a struggle to want to go backwards. Put your hand to the plow. Don't look back. Paul made very clear, I'm forgetting my past. I'm letting it go. I'm forgiving myself, too, and I'm pressing now forward. I'm reaching forward to the things that God has ahead of me. He told her to shut the door. I'm going to close with this thought. In the realm of the spirit, you cannot have two doors opened at the same time. It will not work. It does not work. It's polar opposites. In other words, you cannot create options. What is thus says the Lord? What is God saying? The whole point of us praying and fasting is to hear God clear enough to go, okay, this is the next step. Right or wrong, I'm stepping out in faith. How many believes that even if it's not the right decision for you, the fact that you stepped out of faith, God's going to honor it. He's not going to slap you down and make you pay for it. Don't you think God's big enough? You know, I always said this. It's much easier, it's much less energy if I'm walking in the wrong direction for God to take his hand and just kind of turn me. But it's real difficult if I'm sitting down and have to jerk me up. Come on, somebody, and get me in the right, right direction. That takes a lot more energy. At least you're walking, praise God. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. You have to shut a door. So that another one can open. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, I believe it is, Matthew chapter 18, he said, when you pray, enter your closet. And when you have shut the door, come on somebody, your father who sees in secret, when you pray, he sees in secret and hears in secret, will reward you how? Openly, There's going to be an open manifestation of blessing coming to you. But in order for that to happen, you have to shut your door. See, we started the message with an open door. And we ended the message with a closed door. That's prophetic. I didn't even see that until just right now. That's prophetic. So God is saying to us, this year, I want to open doors for you. 
But two things have to happen. Two things have to happen. Number one, first and foremost, you're going to have to shut a door. What door do you need to shut? Is it Netflix? Netflix is not a sin, but maybe for you right now it is. Maybe you're not supposed to spend all that time right now on Netflix. Is it, is it alcohol? Well, we can drink, Pastor. I don't know the Bible says nothing about drinking. You can't see Jesus drank wine. You got me. But the Bible teaches not to drink wine wherein is excess. To be drunk with wine is a sin. So I get it. But some of y'all, you can't have one drink. One drink turns into a weekend of drinking. That's why we don't see you on Sunday sometimes. Can I preach the truth or not? I'm not saying you don't love God. I'm saying that that's sin, right? So um, what is it? What, whatever, it, I mean, I can't, I'm not going to get petty here and, and point out sins, but what is it that you got to shut a door so God can open a new one, right? But the other part of this thing that's, that we forget about is the process, and the process is walking by faith and not by sight. i got to do something. Faith is, faith is, a, is an, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's my action, it's my action to what I believe, right? So it's corresponding action to what I believe. So if I believe it, I'll begin to make the necessary steps to walk through the door of opportunity while at the same time shutting the door to what I have. That's going to bring a new season in our life. Did you all understand that? Give the Lord a shout of praise about it. Put your hands together. Bless the Lord. 